Brought to you by Dubois Productions. Hello and welcome back to NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We're back to provide insight on a wide variety of sports topics from NBA hoops to UEFA Champions League soccer, NFL football, MLB. Who knows where we're going to go. Hopefully uh, we get some MLB this year. Anyway, our right. goal is not yeah. only to provide you some real and honest opinion, but we definitely got to have some fun. As you can tell, we, we certainly want to enjoy ourselves, and we hope you do as well. So let's not uh, waste any more time. Let's dig in. I'm JB. And I am the one and only N.O. JB. Yes, sir. There's an extremely versatile position in the game of football, a position that's very dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. Can you tell me what it is? I mean, there's a few, but I do know that tight end is a very, very versatile position. you got to be able to run routes, catch the ball, block, uh, many different things. You do, JB. So we've done a few other positions. It's time for our top five tight ends of all time. Let's now, get it. got to let you guys understand. This is N.O. and JB's top five tight ends of all time. We love hearing players that we choose that you agree with and the ones that you feel like were left out so make sure you do that after we give our top fives of all time i'm gonna start off with my number five jb all right my number five tight end of all time is one of the greats old school we're talking about john mackey hmm talking about a man who has an award named after him presented to college football's most outstanding tight end this dude was extremely physical. He played from 1963 to 1972, 6'2", 224, monster. John Mackey, JB, is widely regarded as the player who revolutionized tight end from an extension of the offensive line. Remember back in these days, mm. the tight end didn't go out on routes too often, but because of John Mackey's skill set, they sent him out. He was a legit offensive threat. You know, not only was he physical, but he was also a deep threat. We're talking about 331 catches. Like, his numbers are not going to jump off the page, right? 5,236 yards for his career, 38 TDs. But when you talk about the player who set the foundation for the current tight ends, that's why I included John Mackey on my list. And this dude was a crazy athlete. He also played basketball one year at Syracuse. And... I think some of these other players on my list, you're going to notice a trend here with tight ends who also played other sports, JB. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I think we're on the same lines there. That's a good one. Uh, he is not on my list, but, man, that's a that's a good call. Mm -hmm. Ode to the uh, old school. Definitely, <clears throat> definitely a beast. Uh, my number five tight end is Shannon Sharp. Okay. Um, former mainly Denver Bronco. He did play a bit with the Ravens as well and actually got a Super Bowl with them. 6'2", 230-pound guy, uh, just ripped. Guy was shredded, right, when he played. Uh, ran a 4'6", 740 for that size. That's pretty doggone fast. Uh, he was a five-time All-Pro. He played 204 games at the tight end position, a little over 10,000 yards receiving and 62 touchdowns. Uh, integral part of three different Super Bowl teams, two with the Broncos, as I mentioned, one with the Ravens. Um, he kind of helped to continue that revolution later on down the line. We're talking, um, of course, much more recent times, but even so, uh, you still had a lot more blocking-focused players 
Uh, and he was one of those guys that really, you know, started to split out a little bit, run more downfield. And he would just tear you up down the middle of the field. So Shannon Sharp is uh, my number five. And it's actually my number four, JV. Oh, uh, how about that? This is a man known for his sharp, pun intended, witty tongue to this day. Uh, Very witty tongue. Hailing oh, from Savannah sure. State University, a city I spent some time in. Oh, the little uh, school. Georgia. That's right. HBCU. He played 14 seasons, JB, 12 in Denver, 2 in Baltimore. He had 815 catches. And he did. He made eight Pro Bowls. And I recall, play I remember, 96-yard TD reception in the 2000 AFC Championship game. When you think about that 2000 Baltimore Ravens team, 99% defense. He was the 1% of offense on that team. Right? <laughs> he was. He was it. Shannon, amidst his love for LeBron James was a physical specimen and tough football player in the NFL. You know, and obviously he's known for other things now in terms of um, his shows he has on television. And I really, really respect Shannon Sharp as a person, and I loved him as a football player. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I think he was—he still is a beast. I like him. I, I enjoy him on and off the field. Um, my number four is actually, you know, I did a little bit of a flip-flop with you here. Um, different uh, era, again, is uh, Kellen Winslow. Uh, I think he's forgotten about a lot. Um, 6'5", 250. Like, this dude was a monster. Um, again, different era, but I am fully confident that if he played in today's era, he would be off the charts. Um, he only played nine years, so that's really the only thing that kind of holds him down on my list. Four All-Pros in that time. And uh, as far as receiving yards a game, he is third all-time. Wow. He had three seasons of 88-plus catches, uh, which in his day, back when he played, totally unheard of. I mean, wide receivers weren't, weren't catching the ball that often when he played. Right. So uh, for his size and, and ability to do really stretch the field, um, pretty pretty unheard of and, and really a trendsetter when he played. So Kellen's my number four. Um, you want to go with your number three? Go ahead and jump to yours, Jay. All right, so my number three... Uh, as we get up higher, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a bit curious to hear yours. I'm thinking we may have some similar players here, but maybe not. My number three is actually Antonio Gates, longtime San Diego Charger, um, similar to Kellen Winslow in that fact, and very similar in size, actually. 6'5", 255, ran a 4'5", 40. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> just uh, it's, it, it's unfair, really. Five-time All-Pro. Played 236 games, 955 catches, over 12,000 yards receiving, and he has the most touchdowns ever for a tight end at 116. It's actually sixth all-time of any position for receiving touchdowns. Just, um, you know, really a machine when it comes to yes. moving the chains. Uh, you know, again, kind of the, the basketball mentality, he just box you out. You yep. weren't getting around this guy. He'd go out turn around stop and plus with the speed he could separate um just the unbelievable offensive machine uh when he played who you got for number three jb we thinking alike today antonio okay. Gates is my number three ah. tight end of all time you know just to add on i got a little story i first learned about antonio Gates during his college days at kent state university in ohio oh wow he played basketball and it was in the ncaa tourney you know he did not play football in college. I repeat, 
Antonio crazy. Gates did not play football in college. He actually signed with Nick Saban at Michigan State. Yes, Nick Saban used to be at Michigan State, people. But left because <laughs> Nick Saban only wanted him to play football. Mm. Left. Got up out of there. I'll let you. He had a stellar college basketball career. You could see how basketball honestly aided in his football skill set with his yeah. footwork, physicality, and his ability to change direction. Like, you could put a cornerback on Antonio Gates on the slot. He's still burning him. Like, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter if it was a safety corner linebacker or whoever. Antonio Gates was an insane football player, and he'll be eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2023. I have no doubt that he'll get in first ballot. Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah. There's no chance that he will not. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we down to our top two. I'm guessing we probably got the same guys here. Let um, me kick it off, JB. Kick it off for us. if you remember a few episodes back, I think I had these guys in my athlete comparison. Oh, I see where you're going. Number one. Okay. So, obviously, my number two and number one are Jason Witten and Tony Gonzalez. Now, okay. when we talk about games almost identical, we're talking 270 to 268 Tony Gonzalez. Games started... 254 to 251, Tony Gonzalez. Receptions, 1,325 to 1,226, Tony Gonzalez. So there's a little bit of separation there with, with the first two stats being very close. Receiving yards, 15,127 to 13,034. Yep. And receiving TDs, 111 to 74. Tony Gonzalez, you know, gets my nod as number one. Jason Witten, uh, mm. Not so far off number two. Tony Gonzalez was also a solid college basketball player for the Cal Golden Bears. He was. Unfortunately, though, neither of these guys was overly successful in the postseason in terms mm -hmm. of, like, winning championships. But as we both know, JB, football requires a lot of luck. You got to end up on the right team with the, with the right coaching staff and a great defense to support the offense. But... Tony Gonzalez is my number one tight end of all time. Jason Witten, right. number two. That's fair. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a, the ultimate team sport, right? Doesn't one, one player doesn't make it. So, well, I will say I went a different route uh, than you did. Okay. My number two is actually Gronk. Hey. Um, yep. Not on your list. A little surprised at that, but um, he's 6'6", 268. And running a sub 4-7. You know, obviously he's a physical specimen. Four-time All-Pro. 14.1 uh, yards a catch for his career, which that's really solid for a speed receiver even. And is a the blocking side of the game, I mean, he's a dominant blocker as well. Uh, he had three seasons with over 1,000 yard receiving and 10 touchdowns. Actually led the league in touchdown receptions once. If not for his injuries um through some seasons you know realistically if you had to pick one guy to start a game for my team i might pick gronk but um i could not put him above my number one tony gonzalez um you know just to tack on to some of your some of what you said about him when i was looking at things you know the stats they just jump off the page as far as you know far and away he played 270 games you know as you said over 15,000 yards 111 touchdowns he's third all time for any position in catches he had five seasons with over 90 catches and one with 102 and get this 
Guess how many fumbles he had in his career? How you many? mentioned how long he played, right? Two. Oh my he had gosh. Two fumbles. Protect the ball. This guy ran a sub four five forty. And the biggest thing that jumped off the page to me was ten all pros. Goodness gracious. Tony Gonzalez made ten all pros. So yeah, yeah. did not have the postseason career in luck. It's really kind of a shame. Um, but definitely he's number one. And yeah. Jason Witten, you know, it was tough for me to leave him off my list. A couple other guys, Ozzie Newsom was another one um, for honorable mentions for me. But, hey, I, I feel pretty confident about my list. One simple sure reason I left. Yours. Absolutely. One simple reason I left Gronk off my list. He didn't play tight end. He was a oh, slot receiver. A view, he, made, he was a slot. Okay. Yeah. okay. You go, if you go back and look, uh, a lot of the time, not all the time, Gronk was a slot a lot of the time in the Patriots scheme. And that's why I didn't have him on well, my that's fair. list. Well, that's fair because I was wondering. Okay. All right. Well, let's move right along what we to another JB? another segment that we're bringing back, the good old coaching tree cred. Hey. And uh, this is where we discuss a famous coach and the impact and influence that they have had on other coaches throughout their uh, careers and in their sport. Right. Coaches that they, you know, some of their assistants may have went on to become head coaches elsewhere. And this kind of shows what a great coach they were. Let me kick it off, JB. Please with do. A 44-year-old basketball coach with an extensive coaching tree. He's the current Marquette head coach. Ooh. Talking about Shaka Smart. Yeah. Okay. Shaka rose to fame coaching the VCU Rams from 2009 to 2015. He started under Oliver Pernell at Dayton and then coached under Billy Donovan in Florida before getting that VCU job. JB, in 2011, Shaka took Virginia Commonwealth University to the Final Four, a very much unprecedented feat for such a small school. That was his mm. first NCAA tourney appearance, JB. Did you know that? I did. That was a really fun fun uh, run to, to go on them one. Crazy yep. team. Shaka's overall record is currently 272 and 142 and some of his assistants wow. have achieved great success elsewhere obviously i can't leave out his time at texas before i start going into his assistance mm -hmm. went from vcu to texas and now back to his i believe milwaukee's his hometown which is why he went to marquette um so let's jump into some of his assistants jb jeremy ballard current florida international head coach was an assistant under shaka from 2012 to 2015 and you got jamie and christian who coached under Shaka in 2011 and 2012. He's now the George Washington University head coach after stints at Mount St. Mary's in Siena as the head coach. Darren Horn was a Texas assistant under Shaka and is now the Northern Kentucky head coach. Mike Jones, the current UNC Greensboro head coach, served under Shaka from 09 to 11 at VCU. Mike Morrell, served under Shaka at VCU from 2011 to 2015 and is now the UNC Asheville head coach. Another Mike, Mike Pegues, the VCU video coordinator in 2009 and 2010. Now the interim head coach at Louisville. So that's a top, top level job right there. Mike Rhodes, who was the associate head coach of VCU from 09 to 2014, which tells me he was extremely close with Shaka left for Rice University, and he is now in the VCU head coach since 2017. Came back home. Wow. Probably the most notable of his assistants, Will Wade, currently the LSU head coach, was an assistant under Shaka from 09 to 2013. 
Nuke Yaklich, an assistant under Shaka at Texas, is now the University of Illinois Chicago head coach. <sighs> Many of these coaches, JB, like Shaka, are mid to late 30s and early 40s age-wise. To me, that's the most incredible thing about it. it is. Shaka, it, it kind of just gives hope to the younger coaches out there who are trying to move up in the ranks. Just lets you know you can get it done and you can achieve um, head coaching position if you stay the course and stick it out and um, build some friendships out along the way. Man, that's... um. You always provide such great insight and depth uh, when you talk about it. And I appreciate it because, man, I have no clue. Like, I know he's a young guy. I would not have expected um, all the, all of these guys to have so much success yeah. already, which, you know, that does speak to um, how great of a job he's done, not only yeah. coaching, but developing people. That's, That's awesome. Right. That's right. Well, as usual, I'm going to go old school with mine. Um I'm going to talk about somebody that you maybe have heard of, but I'm willing to bet you don't know a whole lot about. Now, you, not you, N.O., but uh, the average person, because I, I didn't you, I until I looked into it. Okay. Uh, Sid Gilman. Uh, I do not know much about him. Okay. Sid <laughs> Gilman is a former football player. He actually played defensive end at Ohio State. Then he went on to play professionally, but made his name really as a coach and really – you know, he probably stands shoulder to shoulder with Paul Brown, who I've discussed before as far as the impact uh, and influence that they've had on the game. Uh, he started out in coaching, was a head football coach at Miami University. That's in Ohio, not Florida. And also coached my Bearcats from 1949 to 1954. Finished his college career with a record of 81, 19, and 2. Wow. And then moved on to the NFL in 1955 where he finished, uh, he coached through 1974. So almost 20 years of coaching in that time with really um, helping to develop the modern day passing game. And so you can imagine during that time, he bumped shoulders, worked with a lot of famous folks. Um, some of the biggest influences that he had, and again, I'm not, I'm not gonna go super in depth. I'm gonna just throw some names out there for you guys. Uh, Al Davis. First and foremost, a former owner of the Raiders. Uh, also, John Madden, Tom Flores, of course, Art Shell, all former Raiders coaches. Also worked on the staff um, with Bill Walsh, who we know is really the, the father of the modern-day West Coast offense, which teams still run. Um, so you can trace that all the way down from Sam Weish and George Seifert to Jeff Fisher, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a few other guys that you probably have heard of on the coaching tree list for him. Uh, I'm just going to run down some more names here because we could spend all night talking about Sid Gilman. Talking about guys like Chuck Knoll, who coached the Pittsburgh Steelers to four Super Bowl titles. Era Parsegian, former great Notre Dame coach. Bo Schimbeckler, who also coached at Miami University, the cradle of coaches, if you weren't mm -hmm. aware. Um, coached Michigan for quite some time. Chuck Knox, Dick Vermeil, former great Rams and Eagles coach, George Allen, and Bum Phillips. So, mm. you know, when you talk about the impact that this guy had, Don Air Coriel, yet another one. Um, this guy, it, it, it could go on for days with, with the impact he had. 
who he influenced and rubbed shoulders with at this time as a coach. Um, one of the greats. And, um, you know, if you got time, want to do a little history uh, of some football, check him out. It's pretty interesting. I appreciate that, JB. I will check him out here down the line. Um, for my personal segment, JB, as I kick it off, you ready? I'm ready. Back in the mid 90s, my NBA fandom took off, and young Noah had quite the imagination. Okay. Well, where did your imagination take you, Eno? I thought you'd never <laughs> ask, JB. <laughs> I would. You ready? I'm ready. I would draw out <laughs> entire basketball games on sheets of paper. Wow. Okay. Here's, here's how it went. On the left side of the paper would be one hoop. On the right side, the other hoop, of course. Then okay. I draw in the three-point lines. No foul lines. At the bottom of each page, there would be the starters' names from both teams. And since I knew most teams, you know, general starters in the NBA, their names would be written enclosed with a small box so that I could keep up each player's scoring output when they hit a shot. Mm. But once that was completed, now game time. We're talking stick figure drawings going left and right, taking shots while the crowd, not present on the page, cheered whoever was determined as being the home team. Nice. The game moved along, JB. What started as a few lines from stick players being drawn turned into a mass of scribbles. So from time to time, my siblings, friends, cousins, heck, even my mom and dad would see the finished product and wonder, what's going on? Eventually, <laughs> they all realized I was a little bit different imagination-wise hmm. and just accepted my basketball games for what they were. But not only did they recognize that I was different, but also passionate about my NBA game drawing craft. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so who, who won the title your first time doing it? Did the Pacers win? That's that's actually a great question. I think I would follow who actually was winning in the NBA. So I would have the series, oh, okay. and then whoever actually won, I would make them win. That's nice. Good do you question. Still have, do you have any of them saved? Oh, I'm Lord. really curious I now. I don't, I don't think so, but okay. who, who knows Who knows what you could find in the, in the Harris household. Oh, shoot. We might have to look, man. That that uh, man, that reminds me of stuff. I used to do things like with um, baseball. I would make my own all-star teams. Like I would go down and like go through each statistical category and rack and stack guys and do some fun stuff like that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing. Um, my personal, I want to talk about Roman Abramovich, Abramovich, if I could speak correctly today. Do you know who he is? You know? I do not. Oh, I thought you'd never ask me who he is. That <laughs> is the current, current owner of Chelsea Football Club. He is a former governor of Chukotka and a Russian, billionaire Russian oligarch and politician. So amid everything that's going on, uh, and, and with him understanding that he's likely going to be sanctioned and potentially forced to sell the club due to his heritage and, and everything, uh, he has volunteered to go ahead and do so. So a little history about this guy. He is He does have a quick trigger when it comes to coaches and his expectations, but he... Uh, wants to win and that's all he cares about he that's why in my opinion he's one of the best if not the best owner in all of professional sports he's not afraid to spend money he's not worried about making money the guy's already a billionaire he loves the game and he wants to put a winning product out on the field and he wants to win 
So it's sad that he's going to go, but I, I want to read you this statement that he made. Okay. Because uh, it just kind of goes to show the type of person that he is. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to take a brief moment here. This was made um, a short time ago. He wanted to do a dress. There's a lot of speculation about what he was going to do. He said, as I've stated before, I've taken decisions with the club's best interest in heart. In the current situation, I've decided to sell the club as I believe this is the best interest of the club, fans, employees, as well as sponsors and partners. The sale will not be fast-tracked and will follow due process. I will not be asking for any loans to be repaid. So essentially, he's still owed by um, who he previously bought the club from, and he's not going to make them pay back. Um, or the country. Moreover, he's instructed them to set up a charitable foundation where all net proceeds from the sale will be donated to the benefit of the victims of the war in Ukraine. Wow. This includes providing critical funds toward the urgent and immediate needs of victims and the long-term work of recovery. Please know this has been an incredibly difficult decision and pains me to part with the club, but I do believe it is the best interest. I hope I'll be able to visit Stanford Bridge, that's Chelsea's home stadium, one last time to say goodbye to you all in person. It has been a privilege to be a part of the club, and I'm proud of joint achievements, etc. So, just real class, you know, he could have fought it and, and, and been made to wait and gone to court and all this stuff, but he decided to take the high road. And I've seen estimates. Just ballpark guess how much you think this club is going to sell for. Give me just a number. $40 million. $3 billion is what this guy, yeah, that he could profit. And he's going to donate it all, being a, a former Russian oligarch, to the victims in Ukraine. So kudos to him. I just want to give him a shout-out. Certainly will be missed. And uh, definitely appreciate the thoughtfulness of him. That's obviously not going to be an easy decision. Absolutely. That's connecting sports to real life. And that's what we yeah, like man. to do a lot here on NONJB Sports Pedigree. Great story, yes, JB. Sir. Well, you know, kind of leads us into a new segment, right? Speaking new about segment connect- alert. <laughs> connecting it to real life. Here we go. Call it a conversation with question mark, question mark question mark here's how it's gonna go JB we tell each other about a conversation that we had with a famous sports figure from their point of view and our own point of view in our responses to them and the Mm -hmm. goal is to guess who the conversation was with if it seems a bit confusing you'll understand after we do a couple rounds yeah that's pretty straightforward I mean you know you explained it well there all right JB I'm I'm a little nervous, you know, so who, who's starting off? I'll go ahead and go first. And, okay. I'll, you know, this first time through, maybe next show I'll do accented versions, <laughs> but I'm not going to do accents this first oh. time. Oh, I'm going to. Go for and it. I have, and, I have, and I have three, JB. Okay. I got three as well. Okay. I'm you ready. ready? I'm ready. All righty. You know... I think I'm going back to Texas to chill, probably get into real estate. Those couple years in the NFL were cool, but it was tough playing QB at 5'11", barely seeing over those linemen. You know, I could go kick it with LeBron or flash my Heisman trophy, but I'm going to relax this time. I think I'm done getting in trouble 
Uh, Kyler Murray? No. Those couple years in the NFL were cool. Um, <laughs> I'm missing it. Man. Johnny Manziel. Daggone it. <laughs> kick it with LeBron. I should have gotten it with the uh-huh. kick it with LeBron. There it is. Johnny, Johnny football. Dang all right. It. All right. It's all good. Oh, you know, JB, it felt real good to, uh, you know, be able to give the game ball for that first playoff win in, in 31 years to the city. Um, you know, take it out to victory celebration. Actually give it out to the fans at the bars that night after the game. Um, just just felt awesome. Nothing. Are you are you Joe Burrow? Oh, almost. I'm the coach of Joe Burrow. Zach hey, Taylor. Zach Taylor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done, JB. All righty. Let me give you a little hint to start off. You know what? You know, you don't need a hint. All right. No hints. Right. People need to understand something about me, you know. I didn't go on the basketball court to necessarily score points. I wanted to make sure every time someone drove down the lane against my team, I either altered the shot or blocked it. How else do you think I blocked 31 shots in that five game series against Seattle in 1994 or how I averaged four and a half blocks per game in 1995? You know, my shot block game was so dominant that the NBA tried to ban my celebration. I didn't care though. I kept doing it and accepted the punishment. I really would have enjoyed to hear an accent with this one, but I, I think it's the Kim May Matumbo. Ding, 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 ding. You are correct. <laughs> the Kim May. Awesome. That'll be great. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try an accent out here. You know, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Uh, maybe I shouldn't. We'll come it. We'll do that one last. All right. You know, JB, Man, I really think I'm going to be winning an NBA MVP. You know, maybe even this year, you know, after dropping 50 uh, last week, I feel like AI is ready to drop me, pass me the torch for for being the the best of the little guys. And, you know, I think I can actually shoot a little bit better, though. And, you know, it feels good dunking on people every other week. So are we talking about Ja? We are. Ja Morant. Yes, sir. Honestly, JB, I probably wouldn't consider Ja a little guy. When mm-hmm. I think Allen Iverson, he's barely six feet. Ja's six three. I know. I am just going off of what they what they talking about out there. <laughs> I didn't, that, but they yeah, call man. It, they calling Ja a little man, huh? Exactly. And I'm like, yeah, hey, we'll go with it. All righty. You got one more, right? I do. This one's gonna be short and sweet. Okay. Or my NF- <laughs> no, that that was that was the that was the side to start off the person okay. that that kind of went with the beginning of it. All okay, right. okay, so that's let, me, let me redo that. Okay, I think I'm done now. You know, you know, I played a lot of years in the NFL at the quarterback position, and I played a lot of games in a row. Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> um, hold on. In terms of playing games in a row, you know, nobody compares. Brett Favre. 
Brett Favre. Nicely done, JB. You know, I, I, re- I probably only knew that one because I did a athlete comparison recently and talked about it. So, <laughs> uh, that saved me on that one. All right. There you go. This one's going to be kind of short, too, because I'm probably going to laugh. You know, JB, I really like bending it. The soccer ball, that is. You know, I like to bend it like myself. <laughs> David Beckham. David Beckham. Nice. Oh, my right. gosh. Hey, David Beckham is a, was a beast. He was. He, David yeah, Beckham was yeah, a monster. Underrated, believe it or not. So, oh, okay. man. Yep. So that you was fun. JB, you actually just showed me. I will be doing accents the next time uh, we do okay, that. Okay, yeah. We're we going to have to bring that back. And maybe we'll, we'll elaborate a little bit more on the characters. No and, uh, yeah, that was fun. No doubt. JB, what we got next? So let's bring back another segment that is also extremely fun. How about a little sports fact or fiction? Hey. What, what we got going on with this one? In sports fact or fiction, JB, we're going to go back and forth telling facts about sports and telling fiction. The issue is we have to decide which ones are fact and which ones are fiction. We don't know. Okay? Mm. So we have and to we, guess. The line's going to be a bit gray. I'm going to make it tough for you. Oh, man. All righty. I'm ready. Same to I'm you. A, all right. We got we got about six of them here. I'm going to kick it off. So prior to the 2000 NFL season, after 33 pitiful seasons, the New Orleans Saints hired a real voodoo priestess to come to the stadium with her snake and remove a curse from the stadium. Even had her back in 2001 before that season, just in case. How about fact? That is a fact. <laughs> That's crazy. That was a, a complete guess, JB. Yeah, hey, you got it. One for one. Good right. start. The first Wimbledon tournament, obviously that's a tennis major played on grass in England, took place in 1877. Consequently, it's the oldest tennis tourney in the world. I'll say that is fact. It is a fact. 1877, first Wimbledon tourney. Wow. Okay. All right. Um... The Indiana, I can't even say it. The Indiana Hoosiers did not continue Bob Knight's employment during mass rumors of racism, hypocrisy, and idiocy due to a form of <clears throat> privilege. Uh, is that a fact? Well, I said they did not continue it. Oh, so. that is that is fiction. You got me. <laughs> there you go. The wording, the wording got me. He did. I uh, got you on the wording, like one he of them tests. It yep. semantic. The semantics got me. All right, JB, yeah. you snuck Sorry. one in on me. Okay, that was a little tricky. Sorry. It's no no biggie. Famous women's college basketball head coach Pat Summit mm-hmm. won eight national championships at Tennessee. I think that's fiction. That is fact, JB. Dang, 19- she won that many. 87, 89, 91, 96 through 98, 2007, and 2008. Wow. Incredible. Incredible coach. Okay. Um, Eric Bieniemy, former NFL running back, current Chiefs offensive coordinator, who just re-upped for another year, was offered to host on America's Got Talent after he ret- retired from the NFL prior to Terry Crews. Um, being the host. Most people don't know he was a renowned tap dancer in college. I'm going to say fact. 
<laughs> I got you. Oh, man. <laughs> you were thinking. You had to think. Nope, that's a fiction. <laughs> there, there you go. All right. When you were in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. Chase Field, baseball stadium, you could be in one of 70 hotel rooms out of 346 that overlooked the field, thus watching the game from the hotel. Fact? That is fiction. Dang but it. it does occur in Rogers Center in Toronto. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Over the Sky Dome. Uh-huh. Wow. That's pretty cool. Okay. In 1950, the country of India withdrew from their first and only World Cup qualifying appearance because they it was determined that they were not allowed to play barefoot. I'm going to say that has to be a fact. It is. It's a fact. Yeah, like I would, I would expect 1950. I would expect that to be a reason a team would withdraw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you imagine no cleats. I mean, it already got to hurt enough yeah. to get stepped on. But man. All right, JB. <laughs> okay. At the NFL Combine, Fred Smoot, old defensive back, bench mm-hmm. 225. One time, making him the weakest athlete in combine history. <laughs> really? Wow. Uh, fact? Yeah. He, wow. that, that's a fact. One, One time. time. He was fast. He could play, though. He could play. He was super fast. Fred Smoot. Combine week. All right. Herman Moore, former Detroit Lion, uh, excellent receiver, wide out. Yep. His real middle name is Wantsome. I, I, I can't believe that's true. That's fiction. <laughs> it's fiction. <laughs> Herman wants some more. Herman wants some more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, man. All right. This is actually my last one, JB. Allen Iverson, at six feet, had 42 dunks in his NBA career. Fact. That is a fact. Nice. It's not bad. Second time Allen Iverson was brought up on this episode, JB. That's weird. It's weird how we... Yep. Shout out to AI. Goodness gracious, man. A ridiculous basketball player. Yes, sir. Practice? We talking about practice? Practice. (laughs) Not the game. Not not the game that I love. Practice. We sitting here, not supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Not a game. Not 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 the game that I go out there and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We talking about practice, man. All right, last one. This is weird, man. It's like we on the same wavelength with some stuff. 54,250 balls are used on average during the tournament at Wimbledon. I feel like it might be more than that. I'm going to say fiction. No, it's fact. Okay. I mean, maybe it is now. Maybe that was a few years yeah. ago. I, I know there's a lot used. I know it's a lot of balls, though, for crying out loud. 54,000 tennis balls. But again, second time Wimbledon's been brought up. So, mm-hmm. Well, I lost track, so 
you did pretty good. I think I yeah. did pretty good. Well done. It was fun. Appreciate it. All right. Well, it's that time of week. It's uh, it's time for a little no nos. No nos. Okay. So I've actually got two quotes. One, one, I've got a rhetorical question. Um, I just thought you might enjoy. So you know who Chuck Norris is right? Of course. You know what is he like in his eighties now? Still kicking Probably. people's butt. Walker, Texas Ranger. I used to watch yeah. that show. Oh man. Well, you know martial arts. That's a sport, right? Anyway, my question about Chuck Norris is, you know, did did you know that if Chuck Norris has five dollars and you also have five dollars, that Chuck Norris has more money than you do? I did know that. Okay, good. Good to know. All right, my real question for you today is, uh, so I know that you are really big into fitness training, nutrition, yeah. and uh, actually do personal training. What would you say if I asked you what your top three favorite exercises are? Uh, I would, absolutely. Um, and I'll go one cardio, one lower body, one upper body. Okay? Okay. I like it. Cardio, it's mountain climbers. I I wanna say I wanted you know the one that I would honorable mention throw in there is jump rope, mm. but I'll go with mountain climbers. Okay. Lower body, barbell squats. Okay. Nothing compares. Nothing compares to the barbell squats. And upper body. <sighs> so many upper body exercises. I'm going to go with single arm tricep extensions on the cable machine. Huh. Okay. Yeah, you showed so, yeah. me those, actually. I did. Never really single arm tricep extensions, barbell squats, and mountain climbers. All right, cool. Great question, JB. Hey. Hey, thanks. Great great answers. So, yeah, no no's. Um, we obviously, we, we asked the question there. Um, secondly, we are going to discuss, uh, name that team. Um, we're going to do a famous team, see how many players NO can get off of that team. Current record is 18. I believe that's been hit multiple occasions now. It's going to be tough to beat. We'll see how we can do. And then lastly, we'll be a, uh, name that player segment. And, uh, so I'll give some obscure facts, see how long it takes NO to name the player. So, we ready to go for the name the team? All right. All right. This week we are going to do, we're going to go to NBA. We're going to do finals 2010 LA Lakers and Boston Celtics. How are you feeling about that? Good. You get it? All right. I'm going to start the clock in three, two, one, go. Okay. Lakers had Lamar Odom, Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. Jordan Farmar. <laughs> yeah. They had uh, Pal Gasol. Yep. They had Andrew Bynum. Yep. The Boston Celtics had Ray Allen, Eddie House, Rajon Rondo, KG. Tony Allen, Kendrick Perkins, Paul Pierce, of course. Yep. Oh, Rasheed Wallace was on that squad, too. I thought he I was. Rasheed. Oh, Lynn Big Baby Davis. Yep. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. 14. I'm trying to think of some more Lakers players. Why can't I think of any Lakers players, man? Um, you know, I'm looking, and they're not super. Former 
Uh, his dad was a player as well. He was a coach. Yeah, uh, that, UCLA. That's it oh, Nate Robinson. How could I forget Nate? He was oh, a, that's it. He was a great bench player for the Boston Celtics. So that's 15. We'll give you Nate Robinson. You forgot Metal World Peace. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, Metal. Hey, Luke Walton. Uh, Adam Morrison. I forgot he was on the Lakers. Play. Derek Fisher. Thought you would have got Derek. Yeah, definitely got more uh, Celtics. Fisher was so. still on there, yeah. Because I was rooting for the Celtics heavily Me in too. that series. Oh, I was too, man. That was, that was a tough one. That's good though. Fifteen is a, you know, honestly, double digits is good, and you start getting the mid-teens there. Well done. Well Appreciate done. So, that. all right, last segment of the last segment. Name that player. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, former great, I think, baseball player. Uh, multiple positions. Actually played outfield, third base, and shortstop. Uh, right-handed player, 5'11", 190 originally hailing from Tampa, Florida. Uh, his career, he batted 292. He finished with 509 home runs and 2,689 hits. He had seasons of 42, 43, 36, 39 homers. Um, led the league in 92, batting 330 with 33 homers and 100 RBIs. Led the league in on-base percentage in 96 at 465 and OPS at almost well 1109 his career OPS sneaky and sport sneaky important stat 907 uh, a few other things about this fine gentleman he played with a few different teams uh, well known for his time with the Padres the Brewers the Mets the Yankees the Marlins Gary Sheffield yay there you go this guy's man that guy's bat speed and the torque that he created on his swing incredible. i had no idea uh, until you started saying all the teams yeah yankees marlins padres yep. had that lined up Sheffield. right yeah had man he was a he was long time man he he just was he just got it done Really wasn't a huge fan of his because he was always. I always felt like the teams he was on, I was rooting against. But man, <laughs> yeah, he could play some ball. The chef. Well, another one in the books. Yes, sir. Well done. Um, you know, certainly had fun as always. We uh, we we definitely want you guys to continue to provide feedback. We love it. Um, as Inno said earlier, let us know what you think of our our picks. Um, you know, play along. Let us know how you did. Definitely encourage that. And if you got questions, comments, hit us up at no.jb.sportspedigree at gmail.com. Check us it. out on uh, Instagram, TikTok, and we do now have a YouTube page. So Let's go. You can search us on there. And we'll be putting some media and materials up there uh, pretty it. shortly. Pretty yes, soon, we will. So. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys. Have a great week. Y'all have a great one. Check it. We keep pushing forward when the lights dim. The flame still burns when the night ends. So it's time to get animated promptly. My passion's connotated as anger. Wrongly. Since I'm as real as it gets, I won't take that. Might spew a couple of words I won't take back. I'll be the thug who seems to bring charm. Check my skin in the U.S. I'm seen as that regardless. Docile and harmless. Emblematic guinea pigs. Submit to control all the people in the city did. Silly kids only listen to that. It's strength in numbers to them. To me, it's how you attack. Sometimes I think that I'm great. Stumble. It's better to be left.